everyone. Welcome to the Two Takes Podcast with April and Shannon. Today's topic is onboarding team. Say you're one of the lucky people that you've got your great employee, you've done the interview and you're excited to bring them on board. What is your plan? Oftentimes when I talk to people, they have no plan beyond going over the um, company handbook, if they have one, (laughs) or doing the uh, first day paperwork, offering their uniforms, showing them maybe where their refrigerator break room is. They don't have much of a plan outside of those, maybe the first one or two days. And um, if you're in that boat, no, you're not alone. And number two, you need to get out of that boat. (laughs) We need to have an onboarding plan. So I wanted to talk about that a little bit with, yes, we have to do all the paperwork. Yes, we have to cover the employee handbook. We have to do all of those things. But when does onboarding really start? I have seen some really good strategies that it even starts before day one. Um, So we have a welcome kit that even goes emailed out to the employee before they start um, their first day. And it says, and I mirrored this off of a big box store. They had lots of money to develop this. I'm like, oh, I like that. I'm going to take that and make it my own. It said, here is your supervisor's bio, contact information, um, when to show up, where to show up, what to wear first day, what to bring first day. Um, you know, are you going to take me to lunch the first day? Do I bring my lunch? Am I going to be out in a service vehicle? Do I, what do I do? What do I bring? How can I be prepared? So um, I thought that was very interesting because their onboarding started before their first day. And I thought, think of if I were starting a job and I didn't have these questions answered, it would kind of give me a little bit more anxiety going into my first day. I thought that was super helpful. Um, So you can copy it too. I give you permission. Um, Second thing is I've worked with organizations that then they have the mind frame of 90 days, right? We have this 90 day introductory period, probationary period, whatever you call it. And so everything is made on that 90 day timeline and outside of the onboarding logistically of the paperwork, There's no intention of communication, expectation, check-ins in that 90 days. So 90 days goes like that. And we're sitting at the 90-day review. We're debating whether they feel like this is a good fit, if we feel like it's a good fit, and we have no benchmarks. We have no temperature checks along the way to see, are they adapting to the culture? Are they engaging in their role? Or do they even know if they're measuring up and accomplishing what our expectations are? Because we haven't checked in at two weeks. We haven't checked in 30 days, 45 days, 60 days. It's just gone. And then we, well, I guess, you know, I, I like Susie. I guess we'll just kind of keep going and seeing. And then everyone is flying blind. Um, so I say be very intentional. Uh, One of the areas that I have been working in lately is in the service industry. And um, as April pointed out, because she has experience in that as well, is a lot of times, like if you are a plumber, electrician, before you get your own service van, you are going to be riding along with one of the more senior um, employees. So that's that's great. Um, But that senior employee 
you as the owner, you're going to want that feedback. Can they do these things in the field, right? Are, did you teach them? Did they already know them? Have they shown their competencies in that area? And give them a checklist. Because then when those service calls come in, you can say, oh, you know what? We have not had him on a water heater install yet. We've got to get that in in the 90 days or whatever it may be. But it really shows being planned out, having a system, having expectations conveyed to everyone so we can have success. The other thing that I would say about the 90 days is that any more, that onboarding experience is much, much longer (laughs) to be successful. You may have benchmarks at 60 days, 90 days, six months, whatever it may be, but that onboarding really takes time. So you think you come into an organization that has a history and there's a reason why things are done the way they are. There's a reason why you have core values and um, to, to make the system work. That happens because of history in the company. And you need to make sure that you convey those things. So you're all on the same page. They didn't live that history. You need to tell them that history. And you say, oh, I remember when we were at a turning point in our company, and this is what we learned, and this is why we have the mission statement we have. Share those things so they can be in sync with everything that happened before they came in to the fold. So um, with big organizations that have lots of people, you may assign them a success mentorship. You know, make sure that they are very engaged in the culture before you pair someone up that is negative. You want to make sure that that's a good match, but so they don't get lost in the mix. What can you do to have that onboarding be intentional, ongoing, and it all comes down to clarity, communication, and planning with your systems and processes? So that is an area that I love to work in. Um, So if you need help with that, please let me know. But our mindsets need to be different around onboarding and intentional. April, I'll kick it your way. Sounds good. So um, as Shannon was talking, I'm thinking back to um, past past jobs and past lives. Um, I personally am a huge, huge fan of checklists. And I have talked about this before too. When it comes to training, I am a huge fan of the um, see, do, teach method. So, you know, whatever it is that an employee is learning, I physically have them sit with me. I show them it from start to finish. We switch seats. And I might show them a couple of times. We eventually switch seats. They do the process. If they have questions, I'm literally right there to talk them through it. And then eventually, as they're competency grows, they will get to teach someone else that. Now, where a lot of that comes from is prior to my time here, I spent over a decade working in healthcare, in an emergency department in particular. Now, there's a lot of shortcomings when it comes to the healthcare industry training, not one of them. I can tell, and it's because of all of the government regulations and everything else, and, you know, just basically not wanting to kill people. Um, (laughs) Glad that's a goal. Yeah, exactly. But those, as nurses came in, they would have a six, eight week 
preceptorship where or orientation training where they literally had a binder, a two inch binder that had checklist after checklist after checklist after checklist. And they were paired with a, another nurse the entire time. And the other nurse was there not to teach them necessarily, unless it was something that they hadn't done before, but to observe, continuously observe, to walk them through processes, to show them all of the things that are going to be different from one department to the next or one facility to the next, but then to really make sure that that nurse is competent in every single thing that that department, that that hospital, that facility, whatever it is, is going to require so that when they're done with their training, everyone knows that, okay, Susie, she everything's checked off. She's passed everything. If there's any concerns, they've already been dealt with. Um, they're not left to kind of fester, which I know happens in a lot of other businesses and industries. We just kind of hope that somebody is going to pick up on something, or we hope that they're going to change. And that in healthcare, by and large, it's not like that. So um, my love of training checklists and binders and all of those things came from that environment. So I am a huge proponent of all of the things that you want people to learn. Those need to be written down. Those need to be somewhere concrete where you can see them, where the other person can see them. Because if people don't know what the expectations of them are, then they think they're doing okay. And you internally have all these unmet expectations that are not conveyed until the frustration level builds to the point that something not great happens. And that's, that's, that's not optimal for anybody. So um, that's kind of my, my take on on onboarding and all of those things. The other thing that I had kind of mentioned to Shannon, which this is an offshoot a little bit, but there are a lot of external companies now that will come in and help you with onboarding processes. Something Shannon does, she helps with interviewing, onboarding, all of those things. The difference is Shannon's job, Shannon sees her role, as far as I'm aware, to teach and equip, mm -hmm. to get you to the point where you are autonomous in that role, to not hold all of those things hostage. I know that there are, like I said, some of those outsource companies who they, they keep businesses because they hold all of that onboarding paperwork, checklists, all of those things, they hold it hostage. And basically, if you cancel your services with them, guess what? You get to recreate everything from scratch. You don't get any of the stuff that you worked with them to build. So just if if that's the route you're taking, know that there are there are people out there like Shannon, whose whole job is to build you up and teach you up and equip you to be able to do all of those things. And it is a process. It's not something that's going to happen in a couple of weeks. It takes time, but 
she is there to really, you know, empower you and eventually get you on your own versus some other places that their job is to more handhold so that you are always reliant on them. So just keep that in the back of your head if you're ever thinking about, you know, some offer looks really attractive from some company about being able to take all of this over for you, knowing the right questions to ask about how they're taking it over for you. Such a great point, April, because the thing that I can't wrap my head around is if they deliver, they've recruited, they've delivered, they've got all the paperwork signed and said, hey, here's Bob, here's your new employee. You still at that point have to build the relationship. You have to see if they're a culture fit. You still have to train them. You still have to create that synergy. Like why not start that early on? Why not really dial in to what is that success, those success keys um, from the very beginning, because it's hard to go, well, they're here. And now you're starting that whole process over. You've not established any basis of trust or understanding or um, cross knowledge on how to train. It it just, I don't understand that. So um, yes, my, my take is build the people up in the business. um, So the business is stronger. I would, um, I just feel like that puts the business in a healthier place all in all. Um, Because at the end of the day, that those are the people in the walls and they have to be able to communicate well and have expectations be clear and, and all of those things. So if you need help in those areas, um, how to conduct a great interview is going to be our next um, podcast topic too. Um, that would be one that I would highly suggest that you tune into. But how do we create an onboarding po- process that is smooth? It is um, indicative of our company, um, not an out of the box from someone else's perspective, because that is so important. So we'll catch you on the next podcast and we will see you next week. Bye-bye.